Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast. I'm Ben McKee, joined as always by Eric Kane. And boy, do we have a lot to discuss on this edition of the podcast. Tennessee hosting Notre Dame in the Super Regionals this weekend. They'll play Friday night at 6 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. They'll then play Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Don't know what it's like to play a day game, but I guess we'll see how that goes. And then if neither team has won the first two games, then we'll play a game three and winner take all and winner head to Omaha and loser head home on Sunday. That first pitch is to be determined depending on how the first two games go. So a lot of baseball to talk about for sure. We'll talk about the matchups and, and all that fun stuff, but we got to start with some, some comments made by Notre Dame head coach Link Jarrett. And I do think he was very complimentary of Tennessee. Uh, I personally think that he was saying the right things for his baseball team, and, and we will touch on that. But there are, are three things that need to be addressed in terms of what he had to say to the media about Tennessee. And we'll start with the one that has created the most buzz throughout the college baseball world, and that was his comments regarding – uh, Tennessee's power this season at the plate. He said, Eric, they're powerful, but I think their field plays far differently than ours. I don't want our guys to look at it like it's crazy power. It is good power, but some of it is because of the park itself. Your thoughts when you heard that? Uh, just rolling your eyes, right? Um, he's saying, you know, what so many people said all the, this year when you look at the home run. Uh, tally uh, for the country, seeing all the you know shots Tennessee's hit out there. You know, you heard the the wounds ports comments. You know, earlier in the season, and you just kind of roll your eyes, right? Uh, first of all, regardless of what park, I mean, regardless of what he said, like you're playing in this park, so I mean, you know, it, it's it's gonna play to it's gonna play just like it's played for Tennessee all year long. So I, I just thought it was kind of annoying when, when I heard that, but you know, nonetheless, I, I do, I do agree with you. I think that he was, I don't think he was trying to come across as taking a shot at Tennessee, but that's exactly what it was. I mean, it was a shot at Tennessee. I think it was unintended though. I think that, you know, when he got back, when he heard it, when, his, when he talked with his SID afterwards, he was probably like, Oh crap, that's bulletin board material. That was not my intention. And I can assure you that Tennessee's players are well aware and asking, when will they learn? When will they learn not to poke the bear? Uh, Tennessee was well aware of Dylan Delucia's comments earlier this season, the Ole Miss pitcher following game one in Oxford. And they they were well aware of the Williamsport comments by national media members. And they are well aware of these comments as well. And Eric, I agree with you. I, I don't think Link Jarrett intended to disrespect Tennessee or minimize what Tennessee has done this season. And he's not wrong. Lindsey Nelson Stadium is a, is a very hitter-friendly ballpark. Go look at the Drew Gilbert home run that he hit against Alabama State last Friday night. That was a pop-up that landed into the Tennessee bullpen. Uh, that, that is Drew Gilbert benefiting from playing inside of Lindsey Nelson Stadium. But where he loses me, and all of these other people who do not follow Tennessee as closely as we do on a day-to-day -day basis is that they make it as if those are the only type of home runs that Tennessee hits. They, they don't recognize that Drew Gilbert hit one the next day against Campbell. That was a line drive over the scoreboard. It wasn't a moonshot that went up and over 
it, it was a line drive right over the, the scoreboard that was still climbing when it was leaving the ballpark. And, and that's been how Tennessee has hit home runs all season long at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. They've gone to Vanderbilt. They've gone to Ole Miss. They've gone to Minute Maid Park in Houston. They've gone to Hoover, Alabama for the SEC tournament. And the power has translated to those fields. So, again, I don't think it was intentional, Eric. But by what he said, it is coming across as if he is minimizing Tennessee's power and as if they've only put up these numbers because they play in Lindsey Nelson Stadium. So so Thursday I was leaving a camp on campus, a camp on campus, and I was going to a seven-on-seven seven camp off campus, and I was walking through where the media uh, media availability was about to happen. I was, and I was walking through, and Sean's out there with Jarrell and Luke, and he's coaching them up saying, hey, you know, just you know, respect the team, yada, yada. I walked by and I said, hey, tell them you heard the comments. Say you're pissed, and they're going to pay for it. And I would have if, – if they would have done that, I would have laughed so hard. But, I mean, again, like, you know, Sean, Sean I would imagine, has had to do that countless times this year um, because there are some teams with the agenda to go out there and try to poke the bear. I just think this wasn't uh, this wasn't the case. And so um, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, I, again, I, I saw those comments, and it's just kind of like uh, – like Campbell last week when with the whole shade of orange and all that, like – Good on Campbell. Good for you. Um, and again, Campbell's a good team. As you and I discussed, we thought Campbell's the real deal, but Campbell was not expected to make it out of the Knoxville Regional. Campbell was an underdog. Good on you. Poke the bear. It is what it is. Notre Dame's a good baseball team. You don't, you don't, you don't need to be doing that. No. And, and Sean, who you are referencing, is Sean Barrows, Tennessee's baseball SID that uh, is the – middleman between the media and the baseball team itself. Uh, Sean does a great job of helping us media folk out. And look, I, I think he's saying the right things. Like he, he should say those things about Tennessee's offense, but privately and not publicly. And what I mean yeah. when I say that is you don't want your players, your pitchers to look at this Tennessee lineup and think that they are facing Babe Ruth's Yankees or the the greatest offense college baseball has ever seen you you want them to have some self-belief going into this you, you want to downplay what Tennessee is to not make them seen as if they are superheroes so like, I, I get what he's doing and, and I I don't disagree with it whatsoever he just probably should not have said it <laughs> publicly in, in that setting and, and look I, I watched all 20 minutes of his media availability with the Notre Dame media and he was very complimentary of Tennessee throughout uh, he he spoke about how of all the college sports that he has watched this season he thinks that Tennessee has proven themselves to be number one as much as anybody in, in any sport I, I think the the overall best number one team in all of college sports this year is Oklahoma softball. What they are doing right now is just absolutely absurd. They've run-ruled half the teams that they have played, and they're playing in the College World Series against Texas, and it's not competitive at all. And it's not really a, a Texas problem. It's just Oklahoma is, is so dominant. And, and then right behind them, I mean, it's this Tennessee baseball team that's proved its dominance from start to finish in all of college sports this year. And that was the first thing that he said. And again, very complimentary. One other thing that I, I wanted to mention that I thought was a more interesting comment than, than the power thing uh, or talking about Tennessee's power in Lindsey Nelson stadium was uh, he started off complimenting Tennessee as a whole saying that you're not going to find a glaring weakness. 
They're very complete in every phase. They've got good arms. If you had to criticize anything, you could say their bullpen hasn't been as dominant as the starters, but it doesn't need to be. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, like, the bullpen I, won. The bullpen won Tennessee the regional last weekend. Again, the bullpen has been magnificent. And again, that that's that's when you look at it and something you know we touched on you know throughout this season is there is no glaring weakness. So don't just try to make up one. The bullpen has been magnificent. The bullpen's been incredible. Now, maybe what he was trying to say is there's some guys outside of you know Ben Joyce that you know don't have the overpowering arms because Dolander gets up there, Tidwell gets up there, right? Beam does not, but um, you got some you got some relievers that you know don't don't you know top out. It's you know the the mid to mid to high 80s, right? We all know who I'm talking about, but they're a bit effective, and that guy's the reason why you won Saturday's game last week, right? So I just I. I really did. I LOL. Like I, I legit laughed out loud because I thought that I, I mean Tennessee's bullpen's been incredible this year. So um yeah, you're right. Interesting is a good way to spin it. Again, like there's not a glaring weakness for Tennessee, so don't try to create one because that's not one. The lineup's not one, starting pitching's not one. Um, you know, again, glaring weakness, you and nitpicks talk about base running mistakes, talk about at points in times, you know, managing the base runners. You know, that those are those are issues Tennessee's had, but still that's not a weakness. So I just it's interesting, man. Uh, that that was uh, that that was one where I didn't quite understand. And again, he's not wrong when he says the bullpen hasn't been as dominant as the starters. That is factual. Tennessee's bullpen has not been as dominant as Tennessee's starters. But again, when when you say that, it comes off as if you are dissing the Tennessee bullpen and and saying that there's a significant drop off. And I, I think it was I think it was him just trying to be too complimentary of Tennessee that that kind of got him in trouble with a couple of of different quotes there uh, again I, I don't think it's that deal I, again if you go back in you you listen and watch to the way he was saying things context he, is everything what's that I was gonna say context is everything and you know and it, right you you hear the complimentary he's talking up Tennessee it's yeah yes v- very complimentary and, and even after he said it, it doesn't need to be saying that the bullpen doesn't need to be as dominant as the starters. He continued to compliment the bullpen saying that they can match up and they have guys that can get the job done. So uh, I, I do, I do believe that there was a little bit of an overreaction to, to those comments, just fans just ready to jump on, on anything that is said. The, the other quote that I want to bring up is a pretty cool one to me. Uh, he said, that in Starkville last year, we played in front of the largest baseball crowd ever on a campus. There won't be as many people in Lindsey Nelson, but man for man, these are the loudest fans you're going to play. What they have going on right now is special. And I thought that was a really cool tip of the hat to Tennessee fans and the environment that this Tennessee baseball has, that this Tennessee baseball program has created inside Lindsey Nelson Stadium, despite less than desirable facilities. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, again, it's a credit to Tennessee fans. It's not always been like this. And um, when you go on the road and compete at some of the places in the SEC, a very rich and you know powerful baseball conference, and then you come to Lindsey Nelson Stadium, there's not as many seats out there. The facilities are not as great. Um, but when you have a winning program, when you have a team that's fun to watch, you, you go out and support it. And uh, it has actually, and, and the, the crowd inside Lindsey Nelson Stadium has taken on the persona of the team as well. And that's, that might be one of my favorite things. It's, it's created truly one of a uh, really, really nice, you know, home field advantage type situation. So I agree with them. Uh, it might not be as many people, you know, as, as, you know, the last time you're referencing, but it is not mean it's going to be any easier this weekend in Knoxville at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Right. And, and Link Jarrett, the Notre Dame head coach, wasn't the only 
Irish personnel with some comments. You had an outfielder, Ryan Cole. He was asked about what should concern Tennessee in regards to the fighting Irish. And he said, I couldn't tell you exactly what they see, but if I were them, I'd be a little scared. I think we are a very dangerous team. I don't think Tennessee's scared of anybody. <laughs> I don't think I know that Tennessee is not scared of anybody and will not be scared of anybody like, because they know that they're the best team in the country. And if they play their game, they're going to beat everybody in the country and win a national championship. Yeah. But like just in general, I just think that that phrase is so weird to say whenever, you know, these guys are, you know, grown ass men. They're in college. They're playing a manly sport. It's like, I think they, they should be scared. I just think that's kind of a weird phrase to just throw out there. But in Tennessee's case, absolutely, because it's been so. It's been so dominant all year long. Like, why on earth would you be afraid of any team to go out there and play? So, uh, yeah, that, that was that was kind of funny as well. Just don't poke the bear. I mean, it's as simple as that. And I mean, he's asked what Tennessee should be concerned with. I mean, there's not a great way to say something with that particular question that that isn't going to be bulletin board material. But but these athletes and uh, not even just athletes. I mean, it, it's taught in. PR 101 that you control the answer regardless of what is asked to you. You control the answer. That, that's what Swain has always said on the air and, and what he was taught when he first got to Tennessee is that no matter what they ask you, you control your answer. You, you can be asked about the, the three-hole hitter, and if you want to, you can talk about how nice his cleats look or what the weather's going to be like this weekend. And if you don't want to answer a question, there's ways to not answer a question. So, And it's annoying for us asking the question, but, hey, we can't do anything. We can ask again, and you can you can dodge it again if you want to. You're right. right. you got the power. Watch I, any today, Josh Heifel press conference. Yeah. yeah. That, watch any head, head football coach press conference. They are the best at dancing around stuff. I, I was talking to a kid today who I shall not mention, but I had an agenda to ask him a question because yes, I had an agenda. Hey, I make all the I needed I needed to know it, the answer to a specific question. I asked it to him in four different ways. He declined to answer in four different ways, and it was frustrating. But again, kudos to him because he didn't want to answer it, and he didn't. So there you go. And he doesn't have to. So yeah, as frustrating as it is for us, they, they don't have to give us the answer. Piss me off, that, but that, that yeah. we are that that we are looking for. So uh, it'll be interesting. Tennessee was was already locked in, focused, ready to go for this weekend because, oh, by the way, Tennessee, two wins away from freaking Omaha. Like <laughs> they know they know that Notre Dame is a good team, but now there's just more of a heightened sense of awareness. And the, the last thing th this team already plays with a chip on its shoulder, just in general about life. Uh, the last thing an opponent needs is this baseball team having a chip on their shoulder towards you. you. You don't want the chip on the shoulder to be all about you and, and what they perceive your, your comments to be because they have Michael Jordan in them. This Tennessee baseball team does. Go back and watch The Last Dance if you haven't seen it, where MJ talks blatantly about how he would just make things up just to fuel his fire and get him going for a game. He, he would make things up completely out of left field. And it, I took it that was personally. The, Exactly. It was the original definition of fake news was Michael Jordan and the things that he would come up with to to get himself going. And this Tennessee baseball team has that type of mentality as well. And again, this Tennessee team has handled good opponents all year long. They, they haven't broken the program win record because they've beat up on poor teams all season long. And oh, by the way, uh, I was told the SEC was 
down this year, except there's five teams playing in Super Regionals this weekend, and three of them, Vanderbilt, Florida, and LSU, all lost one run game sevens on Monday. Or uh, The SEC could have had eight teams in the Super Regionals, and I was told that the SEC was down this year. And, oh, by the way, Tennessee dominated this league that almost had eight teams in the Super Regional. So they've played well against good competition all year long. And uh, Troy Provo Heron provided this great stat in our baseball media group text and will transition us in, into preview in this matchup, Eric. But uh, I, I think it applies to Tennessee's mindset uh, against good teams this year, but also it certainly applies to the matchup that everybody is going to have circled this weekend or the matchup you should have circled this weekend. And that's Notre Dame's pitching versus Tennessee's offense. Whoever wins that matchup will head to Omaha. I think it's as simple as that. Uh, but Troy's stat that he passed along is Tennessee is 11 and two versus teams currently ranked in the top 50 nationally in ERA scoring 86 runs in those games, 11 and two versus teams with top 50 nationally ERAs, 86 runs in those games. In case you did not know, that is very, very good. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, that's really, really good. And, and I just think that Tennessee rising to the occasion and uh, just how great that lineup's been all season long, despite who's been in it, who's been out of it. So um, that's, you know, again, anytime you go into a battle with really, really good pitching, I still feel great about Tennessee's hitting because they proved time in and time out as the season's gone on that they will not back down from anybody. Real quick, uh, I will say this on the whole SEC thing. I flat out said before the regional play started, I said Ole Miss sucks. I'm shocked that Ole Miss is there, to be completely frank, 100%. I think Ole Miss sucks. But credit to Ole Miss. They are turning it on at the right time um, and, and good for them. But to your point, the SEC has proven – yet again, that it is not only a respectable conference, but even on a quote-unquote down year, that it's still the cream of the crop in terms of college baseball. And uh, Tennessee absolutely dominated it this year. Yes, and look, I was beginning to think that it was a down year in the SEC just with some of the results the last couple of weekends. And looking at Hoover, you, you had some very uninspired performances in Hoover by Vanderbilt, by Arkansas. And Vanderbilt goes across the country – and is one run away from knocking off the number two overall seed in the NCAA tournament in Oregon State and an Oregon State team that people think is Tennessee's biggest competition to win the national championship. Vanderbilt was a run away in a game seven from beating them in Corvallis, Oregon, out in the middle of nowhere. The Vanderbilt almost pulled that off, and Vanderbilt was a team that appeared to be down this season. Ole Miss, same situation uh, now – Granted, Arizona ran out of pitching, which which significantly helped them. But you, you just kind of see the difference between SEC programs and some of these programs outside of the SEC. Miami's a little bit down this year. The fact that they weren't even in that regional final is pretty embarrassing. Uh, and on a separate note, I think it's hilarious that the, this was the year that Mike Bianco, the head coach at Ole Miss, was about to be let go. Fans have been very frustrated with him for years because he can't make it out of – uh, a regional or super regional. He can't get to Omaha. He makes the tournament all the time, NCAA tournament, but he, he can never get Ole Miss to Omaha. And the year that they're about to fire him because nobody thought they were going to make it into the tournament in the first place. And then they go down to freaking Miami and knock off Miami and Arizona, two programs that have been really good for a really long time. 
and here they are in Super Regionals. Now, I think they'll lose to Southern Miss this weekend. I think Southern Miss is, is a better team, but they're two wins away from Omaha. Uh, so yeah. that, that is pretty funny. And then Arkansas, they didn't look good in Hoover, and, and they go to Stillwater and knock off a, a good Oregon State team or a Oklahoma State team. I get mm-hmm. Oklahoma State and Oregon State mixed up all the time because it practically same colors. has the, the same colors, same names, out west, uh, different types of out west, obviously. Uh, Oklahoma State in the Midwest, uh, Oregon State in the Pacific uh, Northwest. Um, but SEC certainly not down this year, even though even myself, I, I know a lot of people were talking about the SEC being down this year. But even myself, I, I thought the SEC was was looking pretty down as well but this this Notre Dame pitching staff it is the real deal Eric and and I mentioned that stat that my buddy Troy passed along because uh Notre Dame 12th nationally in ERA they had the best pitching staff in the ACC this season which I, I think it's funny Tennessee went from hosting the second worst pitching staff in the ACC in Georgia Tech to hosting the best pitching staff in the ACC uh Notre Dame had the best ERA 3.87 they have the lowest opponent batting average. Teams hit 226 off of them. Uh, fewest hits allowed, fewest earned runs allowed, fewest walks allowed, fewest hit by pitches, fewest doubles allowed, fewest home runs allowed. They were second in whip, which whip is walks plus hits per nine innings. And that, that gives you a, a great idea of how a pitching staff or a pitcher is performing by his whip because it, it has taken the, the walks and hits he or they have given up over the course of nine innings for an average similar to an ERA. Their whip was second in the ACC and 11th in the country. Really the only thing that they don't do exceptionally well on the mound is they don't strike out a lot of guys. Not, they're just middle of the road in the ACC, so not bad when it comes to, to striking out teams, but also not great. Just seventh out of 14, 561 strikeouts this year. And look, again, Yes, Blake Tidwell, Chase Dolander, they're going to have to make sure that they perform to the level that they are are capable of. But, Eric, it's going to come down to these ACC pitchers. Uh, John Michael Bertrand, who has the most Notre Dame name of all time, he's a graduate and a a former Furman transfer. He's been a two-time ACC first-team pitcher in back-to-back years. He's the team captain. Uh, he is just an absolute stud, and he will start game two because he threw a lot of pitches this past Sunday in the Statesboro Regional. Uh, and then starting game one is Austin Temple, a, another graduate. He is a transfer from Jacksonville, and, and he had a really good season. John Michael Petran, their ace who I just mentioned, a 2.27 ERA, 19 walks to 103 strikeouts. And then you have Austin Temple, uh, 31 walks to 86 strikeouts. Uh, teams hit 196 off of him and he had a 3.46 ERA. So it's going to come down to Tennessee being able to hit the Notre Dame pitching. Yeah, Tennessee's going to be up for the challenge here. I mean, I think the pitching for for Notre Dame, I mean, it, it's really, really solid. As you mentioned, I mean, it's well, you know, the tops in the ACC, and it's kind of a polar opposite of some of the teams that you played last week. But their ace, man, he is he is fantastic. A graduate going to be starting game two on Saturday. Um, phenomenal, phenomenal stat line. Now he does, I mean, he's got 103 strikeouts and 19 walks. That ratio is incredible. ERA below 230, a nine and two record on the season. Um, he, he, he's really, really good. And their number two starter who will likely start, of course, tomorrow night, 
um, is really, really good as well. Um, you know, his, his stat line, the opponents are hitting less than, you know, 200 against him. So I think the question is kind of who will start game three if needed. Um, but I think Tennessee's uh, Tennessee's going to get tested for sure. Um, but, but again, anytime Tennessee's been tested in terms of pitching with that lineup, I say advantage Tennessee because they can just throw so many different things out. You, I mean, you look at some of the, uh, you know, premier pitchers that Tennessee's faced so far this season, and their stat line by games in do not does not always look you know that that polished, and, and that's a credit to, of course, you know all the, the the stuff Tennessee can throw at you. So it'll be interesting. Um, but the starting pitching is going to be tough, and I think that's why it's going to be critical. And we can talk about this in a moment. That of course Dolander bounces back, and and Tidwell they give you everything they got because you know those those two Notre Dame hurlers are going to do the same. Right, and it's not just the the two starters for Notre Dame that makes them so good. John Michael Bertrand, who, again, most Notre Dame name of all time, uh, and then Austin Temple. Uh, Link Jarrett did say on Thursday that Austin Temple will start game one on Friday, and John Michael Bertrand will start game two on Saturday, and that is because John Michael Bertrand, their ace, an absolute stud, one of the best pitchers in the ACC this season, he started game one in the Statesboro Regional, but in the second or third inning, they went into a lengthy rain delay, and he had already started the game on the mound. And when you go into a lengthy rain delay, that wipes out the starters for both teams, so they did not bring him back for that game. And since he barely threw in game one, he came back and was able to pitch game three. So he threw over 100 pitches this past Sunday in the Statesboro Regional final and they're just trying to give him an extra day's rest and you certainly understand and, and look chase dolander's throwing game two because you want chase dolander your best pitcher you want him throwing the 1-0 game the 1-0 game meaning either you're up 1-0 and you need one win to go to omaha or the other team is up 1-0 and your season is on the line and you have to win you want your best pitcher pitching in that game and uh, I, I don't know if John Michael Bertrand would still start game one on Friday had he pitched uh, on a regular schedule this weekend and wasn't impeded by by rain. Um, but it, it sets up well for Notre Dame from that standpoint as well. Same reasoning Tennessee's throwing Chase Dolander. It sets up well for Notre Dame in, in that regard as well. But it's not just the two starters with Notre Dame. They have several other arms that they can throw out there. Jack Finley and Aiden Tyrell, those are two lefties. Um, they are swing guys that could start uh, a game three if necessary. They're also guys that can come in out of the bullpen, and they've had really, really good seasons. Uh, Jack Finley, a freshman, has a 2.11 ERA. He's made eight starts, 16 appearances, and two saves, uh, 12 walks to 44 strikeouts, 196 batting average against. And then Aiden Tyrell, uh, he's a team captain, 3.60 ERA, uh, 15 walks to 35 strikeouts. So, we know how Tennessee struggles against lefties at times, and uh, not only is John Michael Bertrand a lefty, but they have two lefties that they can bring out of the bullpen uh, as well that are really, really effective. And they have two other guys on on top of Finley and Tyrell. Liam Simon, a righty, who uh, is another swing guy that can start games for them, can also come in out of the bullpen. Uh, opponents only hitting 182 off of him, but he has given up 22 walks in 27 innings, which is why he has a 4.67 ERA. So uh, he's a, a little sporadic with his command at times. And then uh, another righty, Alex Rayo, he's a senior. Uh, 
181 batting average against a 3.76 ERA. Uh, Ryan McClinsky is a Seton All transfer, but he hasn't played in a couple months because of injury, I believe. Uh, so they, they have six legitimate arms they can throw at Tennessee, which is much different than most of the teams that Tennessee has faced this season. And that is why I think that it's going to come down to Tennessee's offense versus Notre Dame's pitching. But on the flip side of that, and something that you began to talk about, Eric, that also means that Chase Dolander and Blade Tidwell, they are going to have to give Tennessee good starts because you would think that Tennessee's offense isn't going to explode for 10 runs. They might, but I, that's not my expectation. My, my expectation is four, five, six runs. Uh, and with their starters in, they, they may not even get to that for the game. So uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. Tennessee's offense will have to make some hay uh, against the bullpen and try to chase the starters early. But Tidwell and Dolander going to have to keep the game in reach, have to give the offense some grace and, and allow them time to figure out the Notre Dame starters. And they're, they're going to have to throw up zeros on the scoreboard because it's not going to be surprising to see Notre Dame throwing up zeros on the scoreboard either. Yeah, I mean, it might it might take your second turn, uh, you know, down the lineup or maybe even your third turn down the lineup. And that, that was the case against Georgia Tech. Uh, to get a feel for what's going on in that game or to wake up the bats or whatnot. And uh, playing complimentary baseball, something you and I have mentioned plenty of times, uh, that's going to have to be key here because, um, you know, Tennessee, you know, regardless, is going to be going up against some some good pitching. And I just think that it's critical for, critical for Dolander to bounce back. Um, obviously, you know, not, not the best outing whatsoever. You know, last weekend in regional play, you want to see him bounce back and give Tennessee a really, really good effort on Saturday. And then Blake Tidwell, who might have pitched the best game of his life uh, for Tennessee, um, I understand it was against Alabama State. I'm not expecting that type of performance again, but uh, you know, uh, maybe, maybe the numbers, the the stat line again. But uh, gosh, if you can pitch like you were against Alabama State on Friday and get get this team off to a great start on Friday, I just think that that obviously uh, that's that would be a, a great great thing. I just look at all the starting options for uh, Notre Dame, and they've got their graduate ace, who's fantastic. They've got a solid number two or a good number two. I just think overall they just have you know really, really good, solid options. They're set up very, very well for regional play. Um, they have a lot of options for super regional play, and then they're set up, if they were to make it to Omaha, they're set up very, very well uh, in, in that type of setting, and and, and that's a good thing. Um, it, it's, it's not necessarily too top-heavy. They do have two that stand out more than the others, but all those guys that you just mentioned and you want to kind of went over their stats – um, they can come in and be long relief options. They can come in and get you an out if you need to. I mean, they're going to pitch this weekend, but uh, guys that they've counted on to start games this year and guys that have uh, paid dividends in tournament-like situations, you know, pr previous to this week. And and I'll, I'll be very disappointed if, if Tennessee's pitching staff struggles this weekend, quite frankly. I, I'm not at all trying to say that Notre Dame's lineup isn't good. It's just – it's not dynamic. It is not at all what the pitching staff is. They, they have a bunch of good players uh, throughout their lineup with, with good-looking averages for the most part. Uh, Ryan Cole, he is uh, the only other Notre Dame player who was an all-ACC team member this season. He was a third-team outfitter. He's the one that made the comments about Tennessee needing to be scared or – or whatever it is that he said, uh, he hit 323, and he's really effective on the bases. 20 for 21, stealing bases, uh, led the team in the regular season with steals and ranked second with nine home runs and 53 hits. So the leadoff man, he he is somebody Tennessee is going to have to make sure that they take care of. 
And then after that, Brooks Kotze, the third, uh, 11 home runs, 42 RBIs, but he's hitting 274. Carter Putz is the first baseman. He's the team captain, one of the four team captains, and he's hitting in three-hole, uh, a 330 batting average, but for a three-hole hitter and for a first baseman, only six home runs on the season. Uh, they're four-hole hitters, the DH, Jack Ziska, Ziska uh, another senior, uh, 11 homers. Uh, David Lamana is probably their best hitter outside of the outfielder, Ryan Cole. He's their five-hole guy, uh, 359, but only one home run for a catcher, which is uh, a little bit weird. Jack Brannigan, the third baseman, he's in the six-hole. He hits 298, has 10 home runs, and he can steal as well, 10 for 12 on the season. And, th and then you kind of get down the line, and it's just kind of, okay, uh, Zach Progner, their, their shortstop, he's hitting 301. Uh, but interestingly enough, 11 errors on the season by by the Notre Dame shortstop. That was noteworthy when I was doing my research. Uh, Jack Penny is their eight-hole hitter in the second baseman. He's a true freshman, uh, so be curious to see how the true freshman uh, does in those moments. And we'll, we'll see if he even plays to begin with. Jared Miller is also an infielder and a team captain and uh, a senior, graduate senior who, who should be in there, but it's kind of been struggling, 258 hitting, three home runs, uh, when I was listening to Link Jarrett's press conference, he he spoke about wanting to get Jared Miller in the lineup. So we'll see if the, the freshman or the veteran starts. I, I think it would be be smart to start the veteran uh, here at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. And then their nine-hole hitters, their center fielder, Spencer Myers. He's hitting 232 on the season and has one home run. Now, he does have 63 steals throughout his career, but he's only got seven this year, yeah. and that's because he does not get on base. So uh, they have – Decent hitters in their lineup. Again, I'm not trying to say that it's that it's bad, but you look at their stats throughout the ACC season this year. They were 10th out of 14 in runs scored, 10th in hits, 10th in RBIs. They had the 10th best, if you want to call it that, or look at it as the fourth worst slugging percentage. Uh, they were 10th in doubles, 11th in total bases. Uh, they hit the third fewest home runs. They had the third lowest on base percentage, and they were dead last in drawing walks. Now, they don't beat themselves. That's the difference. They, they had the fewest strikeouts, the fewest double plays grounded into, and they do steal bases. They were third in the ACC with 72 stolen bases. So not a very dynamic offense. They just don't really beat themselves in terms of they don't strike out. Uh, but again, I, I go back to what I initially said before I gave the scout on, on the lineup, and that's that. I would be disappointed if Chase Dolander, Blade Tidwell, and the rest of the pitchers don't have a successful weekend. And, and I think that's going to be the difference in Tennessee winning the series and getting to Omaha. No, I would agree. I mean, this lineup does not scare me. Now, is this lineup capable of beating you? Absolutely. But it's not it, 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 it's, it's not one that jumps off the page. This is not a Campbell lineup. This is certainly, certainly not a Georgia Tech lineup. Um, the stolen bases at the top of the lineup with uh, Ryan Cole, that's something to, to you know, be – you know, mindful of, of course, Spencer Myers at the at the tail end of the order, as you mentioned, not a whole lot of steals so far this season, but throughout his career, a whole lot of steals, 63 to be in fact. So I think that there's potential for Notre Dame to, to try to run on Tennessee. Um, uh, so you got to be mindful of that. But uh, the the power just simply isn't comparable to what Tennessee does. The I, you know, I, I haven't dug deep into the numbers. I, I'm intrigued to see how they do with runners on, runners in scoring position, you know, with two outs and all that type of stuff. Um, but just from a stat line perspective, this isn't a team that jumps off the page offensively. So a great, great opportunity for Chase Dolander to get back into form, for Boyd Tidball to continue to you know pitch the way he's been pitching on into Omaha, for the bullpen to come in here and, and you know 
you know, bridge to the end of the game to you know get the ball to Revan Walsh or whomever. Um, I think it's a great opportunity for the Tennessee pitching to shine this weekend without a doubt. So I like you. I would be disappointed if it's a if it's a seven eight final, if it's a if it's a nine six final, because it doesn't need to be. It simply put, doesn't need to be. Tennessee's pitching is too good to allow that many runs, you know, from a team like this. But again, it's super regional play. We saw, I mean, it was it, the country college baseball was drunk last weekend. All right. Um, getting securing the win is the most important thing, but I, I look for Tennessee pitching to have a standout weekend. And and look here, here's one thing that I'm interested to see is how does Notre Dame play in warmer weather? Now they went down to Statesboro last weekend in, in the dead middle of the South Georgia. Uh, and, they didn't put up a ton of runs. Is that because of the weather that, that Statesboro had to deal with? But, uh, again, Notre Dame's park doesn't play the same way that Lindsey Nelson does. That That is just a fact. Uh, and they, they also play in worse weather than Tennessee does. And when you get in warmer weather and you're in a hitter-friendly ballpark, the, the stats may all of a sudden look different than, than you are expecting. So I'm curious to see how – Notre Dame is able to hit in Lindsey Nelson Stadium in warmer weather, but also it's actually not supposed to be that hot this weekend given the the time of the year that it is. Looking on my my phone, uh, next week it's going to be hot, uh, 91 on Monday, 94 Tuesday, 92 Wednesday. Uh, but this weekend, because all of this rain just came through, Friday my phone's telling me a high of 81, and then Saturday a high of 81 as well. And then Sunday's going to – going to get back up to being hot for for june back up to a high of 87 so i was outside even, all day today and it was just mid to mid to high 70s like it yeah. was not hot at all today fairly comfortable I mean, you're still probably sweating uh depending on how long you're outside and and what you're doing but it's not just drastically hot outside like it tends to be in in june and in the south so i am curious to see how their bats translate to to a, a better hitting stadium and and better weather, better weather than you get in South Bend, Indiana. I, I do think that is something that could factor in. My overall thought on Notre Dame is that they are a good team, probably a, a very good team, but they're not great and they're not dynamic. The, the only thing that scares me about them is the pitching, and they do not beat themselves. They, they may not be dynamic offensively, but they do not beat themselves by striking out and they, they've grounded into the fewest double plays throughout ACC play. Now, granted, they don't get on base a ton, so, so that helps with not grounding into double plays. You can't ground into a double play if, if you're not on base. And uh, fewest strikeouts and last in walks, that, that tells me that they are very aggressive at the plate and, and they don't sit around and, and try to draw walks. And uh, fewest strikeouts, that tells me that they, they do put the ball in play when they swing. So they don't beat themselves offensively per se. They're just not super dynamic. And then we went through all the pitching staffs, one, one of the best in the country, uh, 12th nationally throughout the, the season. And then when you look at it defensively, they had the best defense in the ACC this year. Fewest errors, best fielding percentage. Uh, the catcher does a good job of, of throwing out runners, uh, the fourth best stolen base against percentage. And they also had the third fewest stolen bases attempt attempted against. So teams did not run on them a ton. Uh, and when they did, they were thrown out more often than than not. So uh, that that is something that I'll be curious to see this weekend is they have a lot of veterans that have played a lot of baseball, COVID seniors, graduate seniors. They don't beat themselves on the mound. They don't beat themselves at, at the plate. They, they don't beat themselves defensively. 
that's the one thing aside from the pitching that I'll be curious to see how Tennessee responds to that because if Tennessee comes out and Cortland Lawson has another uh, three error weekend, then that could be the difference in going to Omaha or not, or, or some of the situational hitting that Tennessee struggled with last weekend, early against Campbell, early against Georgia Tech. The veterans of a slightly lesser team will take advantage of that. Is it fair to say that there's nothing elite about Notre Dame? Like nothing. I think not their pitching one, is elite. I think their pitching is very good. I, I um, think that this could be may, maybe Texas, and I'm doing this off the top of my head, but off the top of my head, I think this might be the best pitching staff. Top to bottom. Uh, from top to bottom that Tennessee has faced this season. It is certainly the best when looking at a series. Obviously, the Texas game was, yeah. was a one-off, but in terms of a three-game series, I think this is the best pitching from from top to bottom. I, I would say their pitching is elite, and they have one of the best defenses nationally, so I, I'd say their defense is pretty elite as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's fair to say. I, I guess I just – I look at a team that's veteran, that, that plays smart, and kind of like we said, doesn't beat themselves whatsoever, but doesn't – doesn't possess the explosiveness that Tennessee has certainly in lineup, of course, but even on the mound, right? Too, because I mean Tennessee's got so many different options and uh, different types and kinds of pitchers and everything. So I don't know. It's it's just not a it's not a very uh, popping team, if that makes sense. But uh, you know, some of the best teams are boring, right? And you know, Notre Dame might be a boring team, but it's a team that's certainly capable of beating you. And so you know, you you got to. I mean, you're, they're they're in super regionals for a reason, as are you. And I think that they're a very solid baseball team. But I think at the end of the day, just like we talk about, you know, every single time that Tennessee goes out there and plays this game, then it, it should have no issue. Two wins to get to Omaha. Um, it, could, it could very easily go 2-0, and but it will be an uphill battle because the two pitchers Tennessee are facing are extremely good. Um, I got a question for you. Uh, you knowing you, you're probably Real going to this next. So. Real quick before your question, yeah. just to kind of summarize what, what your thought was. They're good because they are old and have played a lot of baseball, they're not good because they have Jordan Beck, who is a first-round draft pick, or, or Drew mm-hmm. Gilbert, who's a first-round draft pick, or Chase Burns, Chase Stolander, all these guys who are going to be first-round draft picks or, or even top three-round draft picks when you look at Trey Lipscomb uh, as well and, and some of these other players that Tennessee has, has had. Ten- Tennessee has the pop and, and the flair. They are dynamic, and, and Notre Dame is not that. Who's starting game three? If I'm in charge, are, are you asking who I think or what I would do? No, I know what you would do. You would start Cannon Sewell. We talked about that on Monday or whenever. Um, but what do you think is going to happen? Do you think it's going to be Burns? No, I, I don't think it'll be Burns. I, I think Burns is going to be used as a reliever at some point. And I, I, I don't hate Well, he'll, he'll start in Omaha if Tennessee makes it in Omaha, right? Yes, I mean, he'll, because he'll you got to. Right. You got to remember everything's condensed this weekend. Theoretically, Tennessee's playing two games this weekend. If it handles business, it's two games. And like, why wait for Chase Burns on on Sunday when you can throw him out there to to close a game or get you out of a jam on Friday or Saturday? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, somebody's going to have to be held out in case of a game three. I don't think it should be Drew Beam because I would not start Drew Beam on Sunday. I have voiced my feelings on that, but it's going to have to be Camden Sewell or Chase Burns. Whoever you decide on has to be held for for Sunday. The the only way I would pitch both over the first two days is if if you are up 
four to three. If you're up late in game two and you want, if you won game one and you're up late in game two, go to Camden Sewell, Chase Burns, and try to prevent playing on Sunday. And that'd I was be the only say way too, that I do that. I mean, you you got to find a way to get Camden Sewell some work this weekend. He didn't get work in last weekend at all for right. that reason. Um, and if you're preparing to start him game three, and for some reason you know you're you're up six runs and it's the seventh inning of game two on Saturday night, throw Camden Sewell. You got to get him some work. Um, yeah, it's intriguing. I think you and I both like. I'm I, I would go with Burns. I'm fine with Sewell. I think it makes a whole lot of sense. But at the end of the day, you're exactly right. I mean, once you get to Omaha, if you get to Omaha, take care of business. Chase Burns will be starting baseball games again for you. Everything's condensed. And having that weapon to come out, he was a little erratic last weekend. I understand that scary situation, hitting the guy in the head. Um, but gosh, what a weapon to have. It's so much movement coming at you at 97 miles per hour. Um, why not have that as a weapon at the back end of your bullpen? So I agree with you there. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued to see if they say the course with Drew Beam, if they piggyback, if they go Sewell, if they go Burns. Um, you know, we'll see. But hopefully, hopefully Tennessee won't have to worry about that game three and you take care of business on Friday and Saturday. I like Drew Beam. I like Chase Burns. In fact, I love both of them. But in terms of starting games outside or after Blake Tidwell and after Chase Dolander, Camden Sewell is the one that I trust the most right now. I just if if you roll Camden Sewell out there, game three, senior who's been here, been through it, he's pitched in these moments. If you lose that, so be it. I just I would not be able to go to sleep that night if I tried it out a true freshman in those moments. One and, and only start this year, you won an SEC tournament championship. Correct. And, and he has a history of doing this. Uh, he, he's done this before going back to last year, and his stuff is, is more than good enough uh, to, to beat any good team. And look, again, Notre Dame's offense isn't that dynamic. He should be able to handle Notre Dame's offense perfectly fine. And look, Chase Burns and Drew Beam should too. It's just I, I would not be able to sleep that night if I tried it out a freshman and a freshman had a freshman type of moment in the most important game of the season, and that was the difference in winning or losing. If I throw a senior out there and it, and it doesn't work, I can sleep with that at night. I can't sleep with throwing a freshman out there who both freshmen have shown signs of being freshmen lately. I was going to say, too, it's not like they've been peak midseason form right yes, now either. Yeah, absolutely. If, if this was the Chase Burns and Drew Beam that, that – we saw the first month and a half of the season, then I would have a different tune. I'd be singing a different tune right now, but I, I would roll, uh, I would roll Camden Sewell out there game three, and I would, I would use Chase Burns as one of the first guys out of the bullpen Friday, Saturday night. I, I would use, uh, I would use Burns the way they used him against Kentucky in the SEC tournament. Yeah, makes a little sense. So I am intrigued to see exactly which way they're going to go with it. But again, if you had that one-two punch with Tidwell and Dolander and you take care of business, you know, maybe maybe you don't need it. But uh would be intriguing to see for the final time having to start a game three um, in this type of setup, unless you make the championship series. And depending on how your arm situation is at that point in time, who they would kind of go with. I got one more thing to ask you at the very end. So you let me know before you're done because I want to ask you a question. Well, my only last question to you. Uh, is about whether you think Tennessee wins in two games or three games, because I know neither one of us are picking against Tennessee. Yeah, I said three games in Monday night chat um, just because I, I'm, I'm giving credit to, to Notre Dame and giving respect to Notre Dame. And I'll stick with that. I'll say three games. Um, 
won't shop me off. Tennessee uh, takes care of business in, in two games and you're out of there by Saturday. Uh, wouldn't shock me whatsoever. Um, I just know that Notre Dame is a solid baseball team. Notre Dame has great pitching. Um, it's a team that can beat you. Say Tennessee has uh, some issues with the bats, kind of like it did against Georgia Tech, kind of like it did late coming around against Campbell, um, but it never comes around. What if that happens, right? That mean you're a bad team if you lose one game. Um, so I'll say three. I'll say Tennessee and three. Uh, just to kind of be uh, conservative in that regard. But I do think Tennessee will win this baseball series, and I believe Tennessee will advance on to Omaha. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to roll with two. Uh, I, I feel like I'm maybe being a little braver than I should, but I also think that that's my my postseason nerves setting in and just my desire to go back to Omaha <laughs> is very high. Got to wear your shirt. Hope, uh, I, that's right. I got to wear my Omaha shirt in Omaha. Hopefully – uh, this, this literally this time next week, I am in Omaha. That That is the hope. It was just so fun last year and want to experience it again. So maybe my nerves are, are speaking when <laughs> I say that it won't be, uh, two games, but I do think it'll be two games just because you look at the matchup on, on paper. And I would be surprised if Notre Dame's offense is able to do a ton against Tennessee's pitching. Uh, the, the matchup that will dictate the series will be Tennessee's offense versus Notre Dame's pitching, but also if Tennessee's pitching just completely shuts out Notre Dame's offense the way that I think that they're capable of, then Tennessee's offense isn't going to have to do a ton. It, it can kind of get by with doing the bare minimum, if that makes sense, and and that may be the matchup to watch, but I think, honestly, what may prove to be the difference is the way Tennessee's pitching shuts down uh, Notre Dame's offense. And, and again, Tennessee has the best lineup, the best pitching rotation, the best bullpen, the, the arguably the best coach in the country right now with the way Tony Vitello is pressing all the right buttons. They have the confidence. They have the swagger. They they have the scars from last year. They, they have the experience mm. of, of this moment from last year. And two straight games in Lindsey Nelson Stadium, Blake Tidwell on the mound, Chase Dolander on the mound, two first-round picks. If Notre Dame can win one of those games, and I recognize how good Notre Dame's pitching is and that they are capable, if Notre Dame can win – either of those first two games amongst those circumstances, I'll tip my hat to him. Heard you with the, uh, you guys dialed it back a little bit earlier today. You're going to dial back tomorrow as well. You and uh, Jason Swain uh, on Josh and Swain, uh, the sports animal and the way that Josh and Swain end their shows. And this is uh, dialing it back to the old uh, sports 180 days as well. It's the power pole. I heard you guys. I didn't actually, I heard you guys were about to do it. And then I had to get out of the car, but today's power pole on a Thursday was, was top five, um, most important players for Tennessee this weekend in the Super Regionals. I want to hear how you answered that, and I want to compare it to mine because I wrote mine down as well. Uh, Power poll, top five most important players for Tennessee this weekend. How did you answer it? Uh, Camden Sewell was my fifth most important because he's either going to be the game three starter with the season on the line or he's going to be one of the first guys out of the bullpen in game one or game two uh, in a close ball game, looking to shut down the game. So Camden Sewell's role is going to be very important this weekend. Uh, Jordan Beck is my fourth most important because he's the three-hole hitter, and as good as Tennessee's offense is, it's going up against some very, very good pitching. Again, I I think it may prove to be the best pitching that Tennessee has faced all season, and and they need him to produce. They they need him to produce. It's as simple as that. Dolander, Tidwell are two and three for me. Uh, just because, again, they're, they're going to have to give the offense, buy the offense some time while the offense figures out this great pitching from Notre Dame. And this is something I meant to mention earlier when we were talking about the the offense is 
if if Dolander or Tidwell gives up a four run third inning or four run whatever inning early, it's going to be much more difficult to come back this weekend than it was last weekend. It's it's like football going up against a, a Georgia defense or an Alabama defense. You don't want to be down twenty one nothing at the end of the first quarter because it's already tough enough to score. You don't want to have to feel the pressure of scoring and coming back and so on and so forth. So Dolander Tidwell are two and three most important just because they're going to have to buy the buy the offense some time and, and give them uh, some some grace. And Drew Gilbert's the most important to me just because of how much you're going to need some offense this week against great pitching. Uh, he He's the heart and soul of that lineup, and uh, he, he has a flair for the dramatics and, and is able to get it going. So and it always seems like he's the guy that gets things going. Go back to Florida when it looked mm-hmm. like they were about to get no hit, and he hits a, a near triple, or he hits a triple off the wall that was nearly a home run. And SEC tournament able to get Tennessee going a couple of times when when it when the offense was struggling, uh, and same this past weekend. So uh, I think Drew Gilbert is the most important because Tennessee's going to have to find a way to get some hits, and he's the heart and soul of this lineup. Yeah, no right or wrong answer here. Mine's a little bit different than yours, and it's just kind of a, about interpretation. That's why it's so much fun to do. I love the power pole. I've always been a big fan of it. Uh, number five, I said Evan Russell because you got at the top and bottom of the order some dangerous base runners, and of course, you know having that bat there in the in the bottom third of the order uh, is is really solid for Tennessee. So Evan Russell, at number five, number four, Jordan Beck. A lot of the same reasons you said three hole hitter. Uh, continue to play well, emotional leader, yada, yada, yada. Number three is Drew Gilbert, and I literally put down uh, in my notes, heart and soul of the team. And you, I think you said it just a minute ago, heart and soul of the team. Drew Gilbert's number three. Number two, Blake Tidwell, get him off to a great start. Number one, Chase Dolander, let me see that bounce back. Uh, best pitcher in, in, in the country, arguably, best pitcher in the SEC. Let's see how you bounce back and uh, put this team in Omaha because I expect Tennessee to – uh, be up one to nothing and uh, heading into Saturday. And then it'll it'll be on Dolander's sh- uh, shoulders if this team can go to Omaha on Saturday. And, I, you know, may, may, maybe not. And, and we'll see if they can do it on Sunday. But that, that would be my my power poll, the five, Russell, Beck, uh, Gilbert, Tidwell, and then Dolander. Yeah, and John Wilkerson was on with us when we were doing it. And uh, he had Cortland Lawson as his fifth. And, and I thought that was a, a great answer. Talk, as, talk about as let well. me see the bounce back. Yeah, because he had yes. such a, a frustrating game. Yeah. Yes. And, and one of those three errors that he had last weekend, it, it led to a big inning uh, with Dolander on the mound, I, I believe. Uh, and then also later in the game against Georgia Tech, uh, his error sparked a, a Georgia Tech rally as well. So, uh, I thought it was just an uncharacteristic weekend for Cortland Lawson. It happens in baseball. That That is truly the definition of baseball getting the best of you. He's been so sure-handed all season long, and I'd be surprised if he has another tough weekend yet again. But his errors last, last weekend came at costly times. Not that it's ever a great time to commit an error, but they, they prevented Tennessee from getting out of innings. It, it was Drew Beam, I, I think, where Lawson's mm-hmm. – error messed him up and because he got tagged for four runs only two were earned uh yep. because you kind of yep. got out of the inning there yeah with with Cortland and it, it led to beam leaving the game earlier than he probably should have having to throw extra pitches and and Georgia Tech uh getting some runs there so I think Cortland Lawson was a, a great answer as well it'll be a fun weekend Eric thinks Tennessee wins in three I'll be bold and say Tennessee wins in two it'll be a fun environment Eric and I will be back with you each day of the weekend, hopefully Saturday night. I guess it'll be Saturday evening with a two o'clock first pitch. I'm 
so much looking forward to that because the 3 a.m. going to bed last weekend was was not fun. Uh, I baseball season is catching up to to your boy Ben, so I'm thrilled to. Hopefully Tennessee can take care of business in in two games and go to bed at a decent time Saturday night and get ready for Omaha. It'll be fun. But like I said, Eric and I will be back with you each night. And until then, we hope you enjoy the rest of your week.